Yeah, we have a lot of guys, some guys at the uh, retreat. We got parents downstairs with the kids, so that's where everybody is. Uh, I just want to draw your attention to a couple things announcement-wise. Again, uh, Ollie's out not feeling well, uh, so we don't have a drummer. So we know there are people in this sanctuary and part of this church that play instruments, whether you play guitar, bass, or drum. You say, well, I haven't played in a long time. Well, neither have I, and I'm not getting up here. So, <laughs> no, But seriously, if you have the ability to do that, we could use you. If you get enough people, we can rotate. Uh, so... It always amazes me if we had everybody come at the same time in this church, this place would be packed. But it just seems like, you know, not everybody can make it every Sunday. There's other obligations, whatever. And that's what happens even with the music team. There's a couple out there because they're going to a wedding today. So there's a lot of stuff going on, but we need your help. Media ministry and the music ministry. Also, we begin our Bible school again. You know, we offer this for free. So if you would like to learn more about the Word of God, this Tuesday from 10 to 12, we begin our class on prayer. And uh, Chuck Toth, who's up here playing the bass for us today, he'll be teaching that class. He's a seasoned teacher. He's graduated our school. And then beginning also this Thursday evening, 6.30 to 8.30, these are four-week classes. Uh, Sarah Cranick, sitting there in the back, she's going to be teaching on the name of Jesus, right? And so if you would like to come to the classes, please sign up so we have an idea that you're coming if last minute you decide that you want to come to the class and you don't get a chance to sign up, that's fine too. Just show up. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. Aren't you glad God is here? Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible, take it in your hand, bow your head, say this. Father, I believe with all my heart that you are here because your word says you're here. We thank you, Father, that you're a blesser. You give and you love us. And so I give back to you today my eyes, my ears, my heart, and my mind. And I boldly declare that today I will be supernaturally changed by the Word of God in Jesus' name. If you believe that, find somebody say, I'm going to be changed by the Word of God today. Amen. If you are visiting with us for the first time, uh, sometimes I can't see out and see who's here and who's not here because of the lighting. But if you are here for the first time, you received a first-time visitor package. If you did not, there's one out on that table as you came in on both sides of the door. We'd really appreciate if you would take that card that says, hey, I'm here. Fill that out. Bring it out. We have a visitor center over here. There's food there for you. There's information for you. And we have a gift for you, this really nice cup that we give out that has our name on it, this coffee cup. And it's our way of saying thank you. So if you are here for the first time, please fill that out. Go to the visitor center. Or if you're in a rush, go to the information center, which is right in the center of the atrium out here, and give them that card. We'd love to know who you are. We will not bother you. We will pray for you. I promise you that. And in the name of Jesus, I know you'll be blessed today. Amen? Put your hands out to me today. Let's believe together. Father, we believe in the name of Jesus that who is ever in this pulpit, will speak the mind, will, and purpose of God under divine direction, divine unction. That's prophetic. And I thank you, Lord, as I stand here today, I submit myself to you. I believe, Lord God, the word you've given me today is for the people who are here today, for those who will be listening on the website, who will be listening on all forms of communication that we put out there to receive the word. We know, Lord, that you're here, and so we rejoice that our lives will be changed today in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Praise God. We've been talking about, my friend, 
your friend, our comforter, the Holy Spirit. Someone once prophesied a while back that if churches do not begin to recognize God in that form in place today, that they'll no longer be ceased, they'll no longer be used by the Spirit of God because He's not welcomed. We need the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is God. Jesus said, I'm leaving, but I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to send you another comforter. And that word another means one of the same kind. And just like Jesus walked with his disciples and talked with his disciples, laid hands on his disciples, strengthened his disciples, answered their questions, the Holy Spirit does the same thing for us today. And the only reason you don't feel like he's talking to you is because you don't recognize him. So all we've been talking about the last two weeks is the fact that knowing God and doing what God asks us to do is all that matters in this life. Not knowing him and doing the things we think we need to do to please him, we begin to walk like it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 5, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. Sad to say there are thousands of churches today that are gathering. And I believe they're all going to heaven. They all love God. But they're going to be powerless in these last days because they're denying the power. The power doesn't come through just our prayer. The power doesn't come just through our believing. The power just doesn't come through us reading the word of God. The power comes to us and through us through God's Holy Spirit. If you agree, say amen. That power, the Holy Spirit, would come and live inside of us once we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. The book of Acts revealed that the Holy Spirit was coming down, and he came down to the early disciples, and he displayed himself as tongues of fire over their heads. That was symbolic, because the God who was out there became the God in here. Say, I have God in me. See, they became possessors of his presence. They no longer knew about God. They knew God. They knew him personally, intimately. And Jesus promised that they would become witnesses. They would possess firsthand evidence that God is real. I don't know about you, but that's my prayer. I don't want to just go out in this world and just be another person. I want to act normal. I want to be who I am with my personality. But I want people to sense something different about me. Sometimes I feel people, I'll be somewhere and I'll feel somebody staring at me. So the first thing I'm thinking of, is there something? I go like this or whatever. And then I begin to realize that maybe they see something or feel something that I don't yet quite understand. That God in me is like that fire over the top of my head. The fire that they see within me. Jesus said that we would be like him. Philip asked Jesus a special question in John chapter 14, verses 8 through 11. Now here's Jesus walking with these guys every day. They've seen all the miracles. They've seen all the great things that Jesus did. And Philip asked Jesus a question. He says this, Lord, show us the Father, and we'll be satisfied. And Jesus said unto him, have I been so long time with you, and yet you have not known me, Philip? For if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And yet you say, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? 
The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me, he does the works. Believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me just for the work's sake. You know, it's one thing to say that I have the Holy Spirit in me, and we want people to see the Holy Spirit in us. But wouldn't it be neat that they would know us by our works? And I'm not just talking about giving things and you know, sowing things to people. They're good things. But healing, salvation, deliverance, joy, peace, confidence, hope that we possess that the world doesn't possess, that we can say despite what we hear on the news, which is all negative, God's in control. doesn't matter what's going on there. God said things will work, wax worse and worse. But I believe the church, that's God's people, not the building. God's real people will get stronger and stronger. Listen, this is my personal opinion. If God so loved the world that he sent his son to die on the cross, I think he's going to pull out all stops in these last days. People are going to start seeing things that they've never seen before and can only give glory to God. I praise God for the many healings that we've seen in this church. So many of them. But I look forward to the day when the Spirit of God would say to me or somebody, there's someone out there that lost their arm or their leg or they're blind or they can't hear. I want you to go lay hands on them. I think that would cause a little stir, wouldn't you? I think people would start perking up and getting interested in maybe God is real. In other words, Jesus is saying in this word, if you see Jesus, you're going to see the Father's character and his nature because Jesus gave witness of the Father. He gave first-hand evidence of who God is. How many want to know God better? Read your Bible. Because what you see Jesus doing and Jesus saying is who God is. It's the same for the true believer. I think we can say the same thing. If you want to know God, look at me. Well, that's a pretty bold statement. I'd be kind of afraid of saying that, but I'd like to say, let's put it this way. Pastor, you laid hands on me and I got healed. No, 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 not me. That's God. So we point to God as the one who's done this. The Message Bible says in John 14, 23, and the person who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and make myself plain to him. Wow, that's knowing God. I want to know Jesus. I want to know the Father. I want to know the Holy Spirit more real than any person in this room. More real than my dogs or my wife or my pastor. I want him to be so real to me that it doesn't matter what's going on around me. I know what's coming. That the worst thing that's going to happen is I will close my eyes someday and my spirit will go live in heaven forever. I don't know if that person's here today or not, but they gave me the book about heaven by David Jeremiah. I've been praying about that. Is that guy still here? He's not here today? So you know, people come, people go. So here one day, the average person goes to church once a month. you believe that? Say, thank God that's not me. Amen? So I, I started reading it. So I want to preach about heaven soon because I think we forget what the reward is that's waiting for us, that there's something bigger than what we're living today. So that day will come when my eyes will close and I'll be with the Lord forever in a place I yet don't totally understand, but I will as the days go by. I want it to be said of you 
I want it to be said of me that if you want to know God, watch how God works through me, and you'll get to know the Father. Others will know God because what I speak is what God would say, and what I do is what God would do, because he is speaking and living through me. Say that. He is speaking and living through me. Say it loud. He is speaking and living through me. Because why? Because the Holy Spirit's in me. Have you ever said something or done something that you said, wow, that wasn't of me? That happens to me every time I preach. Sometimes I go back and say, man, that was really great what you said. And I don't remember. I've got to go back and listen. Because I'm speaking. It's like the Holy Ghost is speaking through me. Hallelujah. That's what I want. This is not me. This is not us following man-made rules, regulation. It's not begrudgingly following some lists of do's and don'ts. This is me effortlessly, effortlessly knowing naturally who God is and feeling his presence and having the joy every time I wake up knowing that God is working in and through me. A while ago, I taught this about life in Jesus Christ. It's a life that Jesus promises us here on this earth. I hate when I hear a guy say, well, just hanging in here. You know these guys that talk about God wanting to prosper you and love you? What, what kind of father is God that he would leave you here comfortless? But he sent the Holy Spirit. And the Word of God says he has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. And prosperity is not always money or things. It's peace. It's joy. It's contentment. It's fulfillment. It's waking up every day excited about life. Amen? Not judging it. Not being tired or worn out. I taught this a while back. It's out of the message interpretation of the Bible. I think Eugene Peterson did a great job. Jesus stands before a crowd of people who loved God. I believe they loved God. And they were doing everything they could to fulfill what the religious Jewish leaders were telling them to do. And they were exhausted. Because all this work that they were doing, and they never felt any joy or peace. And here's what Jesus said to them. Literal translation. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Say that. Unforced rhythms of grace. It's like you're in a stream, God's stream, and you're just going down that stream. You're following what he's telling you to do. You're hearing what he's saying. You're, re you're understanding the word of God. You feel his presence each and every day. It's glorious. He said, walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Boy, that sounds opposite of religion, doesn't it? I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Learn those unforced rhythms of grace. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Every morning, Judy and I get up in the morning, and we'll sit with our dogs before we go out, because we've got to leave them for the day, and we'll give them a little treat, and we read the devotional. In fact, Darla, you gave it to us. And it's a very encouraging devotional. And it just talks about if you want your life to be a good life, just acknowledge me first thing in the morning. Just acknowledge that I'm with you, whether you feel it or not. Acknowledge I'm with you. Acknowledge that I am here. 
feel my presence. Never, ever will I leave you nor forsake you, he said. But you feel the presence of God everywhere you go. When you get real uptight, you get real upset, you get some bad news, you just have to stop and take a deep breath and say, Lord, I know you're here. I may not understand everything that's going on, but this is what I say. I say it to Judy all the time. Nothing can happen in my life without God's permission. Say that. Nothing can happen in my life without God's permission. I always use the example of my dad when he took the training wheels off my bike. I was getting around pretty good. Why take the training wheels off? I was mad at my father because I fell down a couple times. Do you know that your life is going to consist of God taking the training wheels off every now and then? Or you're going to have to trust him and believe in him? And you're not going to understand why? <clears throat> Maybe when you're 90 years old, definitely when you go to heaven, <coughs> excuse me, you're going to know for sure why that thing happened in my life. I walked in and done some pretty stupid things in my life. I don't know about you. I think we all have. Because this is what I believe. There's no degree of sin with God. Sin is sin. Lying is a sin. Adultery is a sin. But they're both sin. That's why we can't judge each other because we participated in some sin somewhere in our whole lives. Thank God for his mercy and his grace. So Jesus tells these people, it's not about religion. It's about knowing me, walking with me. This is a person who lives like this that's possessed by the fire of God. Hallelujah. Last week I shared a quote to you, and it says this. One of the most telling blows which the enemy of God and man has ever struck at the life of the church was to create in her a fear of this Holy Ghost fire. Now I'm not talking about people running around the room or getting crazy. That may happen. I'm not talking about somebody just praying in tongues. But I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. I may have said this Wednesday night. Get around to your friends who don't know the Lord yet. And you can talk about spirituality. You get about all stuff, spirit and heaven and hell. But start talking about Jesus. Everybody gets the heebie-jeebies. Now, get around Christians. Born again Christians who go to church and love God and start talking about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> the heebie-jeebies. Why? They don't understand him. They don't even attempt to know him. And they've only learned or heard bad things about him. I remember when we did go to church, I won't name the denomination, this young pastor sat me down. He said, that speaking in tongues, that Holy Ghost stuff is a bunch of gibberish. Well, I never asked for it. I had no idea what it was, and one day I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I began speaking in tongues. And I totally changed as a person because I did entertain. I said, Lord, I'm going to do this. You can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You can speak in tongues, not the gift of tongues. That's a gift of tongue with interpretation, but everyone gets this prayer language. Paul says, I pray in, my I pray in the Spirit, and I pray in my understanding. He says, I pray more in tongues than all of you which makes sense because he was a great minister of the Word of God. And I found out the more I pray in the Holy Spirit, the more revelation I get about things. Something happened just recently, and I wasn't sure what was going on. And I said, Lord, I preached this Sunday, so I'm going to make sure I'm going to do it. And so I began praying in the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues throughout the day. And, and then all of a sudden, little tidbits of understanding started coming to me about a situation. 
And I saw things coming together. And then finally I said, ah, now I know what's going on. Because I took the time and made the effort to speak mysteries unto God. Pray for the interpretation, as Paul says, and then I pray in my understanding. Or he just gives me the understanding. It works. So am I going to tell this young pastor, it doesn't work? Too late! <laughs> Why do men fear the Holy Spirit of God? It's because they don't understand. They're trying to understand by human reasoning, and you can't. He cannot be understood or explained by human reasoning. He's the Holy Spirit of God. He is God. He's not a feather. He's not gold dust. He's not a feeling. I catch myself and I grieve myself when I say it. He's not an it. He's the Spirit of Christ that's come back and said, I can only be with you one at a time. But when I come back in spirit, and this is so far beyond our understanding, he can be possessing all of us, know everything going on in each of us, give us wisdom about everything. I don't, got, I don't understand it, but I also don't understand how I can go out my backyard and see millions of stars, knowing that it's not a screen display, that we have sent ships, rocket ships, capsules up, surround, and go around the earth and see these heavenly bodies up there. And every one of those guys came back saying, there's got to be a God. There's no way this happened by accident. And that Holy Spirit, who I may not totally understand, so wants to live inside of you and so wants to help you and guide you through this life. You know, when Satan came to this earth and he destroyed what was once here, I don't know, it's not clear in the Bible what it was. But I know that we're here now. And Jesus came and he rescued mankind from control of the enemy, the devil, who wants you dead, by the way. John 10.10, for the thief comes but for to steal, kill, and destroy. But we're still alive, aren't we? So we're winning. And God would not leave you on this earth with that enemy here without giving you everything you need to be victorious. You are being trained, the Bible says, to rule and reign. You're being trained to win in combat. You are trained to speak right. You're being trained to think right. You're being trained to be and act like God because someday we will be with him. And for what I understand, we're going to be given responsibilities that are going to require us to act and think and be like God. So this life is training school. Some are in preschool. Some are in kindergarten. Whatever grade God has you in. But here's the cool thing. God isn't like our school system. He doesn't promote you till you're ready to be promoted. If you didn't handle that hell you went through, you may have to repeat it till you get the victory, or God will do it another way. But he'll never, ever leave you nor forsake you. I don't understand totally who God is or who the Holy Spirit is, but I know he is, and he's in me. So we can only bow and surrender to his holiness and his power and his ability because we're mere humans. And I bow to the ability, Lord, I can't know you without your Holy Spirit, I can't understand you in your ways without your Holy Spirit. My pride must give way to this awesome indwelling. 
He has promised to every believer, to every submitted, hungry, humbled individual who asks for him to baptize them with his presence. Why baptize? Well, it's the same reason why we all go all the way down into the water and all the way up. Every square millimeter, centimeter of your body is covered with that water. So when the Holy Spirit baptizes you, he just doesn't come upon you like he did in the Old Testament. Priest, king, prophet, he comes upon every believer and he immerses you. He immerses you in his power. And I always say the Holy Spirit doesn't like roommates. So one by one, as he's moving in to possess you, this has got to go. This has got to go. You can't do this anymore. He's baptizing you with holy fire. He's burning all that junk out. He came upon and possessed early disciples. His presence was likened unto fire. The fire of God indwelling men. The dunamis power that was given to men that they may know God and clearly hear his voice. We said last week that the Holy Spirit will affect and change in six areas of your life. So listen, review, and then we'll move on. The Holy Spirit is a moral flame, which means one cannot expect to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit while yet abiding and living in a state of moral carelessness or borderline sin. You can ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and you'll receive him. But as you're praying in the Holy Spirit, and as, you, as you're acknowledging the Holy Spirit, he's going to begin to show you things you can't do anymore. Things you can't say anymore. Why? Because his first name is Holy Spirit. He wants us to be holy. He's also a spiritual flame. I said last week, he's the one that raises our worship to a level that's acceptable to God. Galatians 4, 6 says, And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Do you know, as a Christian, you have to fight the desire to go to church? You have to fight that. Because the Holy Spirit's saying, go. Because it's a day ordained of God to be there with me. Your children and you. Where else are they going to learn about God? They're not learning it in public school. And hopefully they're getting at home. But in church, they're learning fellowship, servitude, and here with God. You have to fight the Holy Spirit not to pray. How many of you can be honest, and I will raise my hand with you, have had a sense that God wanted to talk to you, which meant he wanted you to sit with him a little bit and pray? How many of you have gotten that urge and you fought it off? Thank you. Lying's a sin. <laughs> The Message Bible says this. You can tell for sure that you are really now fully adopted as his own children because God sent the spirit of his son. Get it? The Holy Spirit is the spirit of Christ. The spirit of his son into our lives crying, Papa, Father. Doesn't that privilege of intimate conversation with God make it plain that you are not a slave but a child? You should be honored. That God, I am, that I sense sometimes that God wants me to pray. And I'll fight that off sometimes because I'm busy. And I'll feel bad later. But aren't you honored that God loves you that much that he wants to spend time with you? So that urge to pray is not out of guilt. It's God saying, come sit with me a bit and let's talk. 
Let's commune. What a privilege. Amen? The Holy Spirit is a spiritual flame. Spirit, our spirit, the Holy Spirit, want to converse with God. Number three, the Holy Spirit is an intellectual flame. What does that mean? When someone gets inspired, when someone gets enthusiastic about something, that word enthusiastic is a word, comes from the word entheos, God in. God has given some of you guys and is ready to give birth in some of you guys an inspired idea. A creative idea. Something that no one else has. Anybody ever watch Shark Tank? Some of these things that people come with, you think that comes up by human reasoning or understanding? When you acknowledge God, many of you have jobs. Many of you be in positions of leadership. And all you have to say is, Lord, there may be a different way to handle this. There may be a different way to handle this employee. Or maybe a different way I handle my employer. When I was in sales, I was really good at it. And I was in medical diagnosis, which is tough. Trying to teach a doctor to take on something new. It's like pulling teeth. Antiquated. I said, you know, and there's some doctors that receive it right away. But I'd have to go in. And I had competitors. And I'd say, Lord, how do I help this doctor? How, do I, how can he help me? How can I, what can I use to... Oh, these products are as good as mine. Mine are even a little more expensive. But Lord, show me. I guarantee you, I doubt if my competitors were praying that prayer. And I can tell you, God answered that prayer. Say, try this or try that. And first of all, and most of all, listen to your customers and be honest. Be honest. You know, the worst advertisement you can receive as a business or a salesperson is a dissatisfied customer. And so I seek God, Lord, give me your wisdom. The Holy Spirit's a spiritual flame. He speaks to my spirit, gives me wisdom, but he's also, also an intellectual flame. Do you know that God knows everything? We can call this divine inspiration. Remember what Jesus said to his disciples in Luke chapter 12, 11 through 12? These guys were considered criminals. I'm glad, you know, I'd like to be back with Jesus, but I don't know if I could face what they faced. Constant persecution, ridicule. Their families thought they were nuts. And I said, I read here, and they're going to go before judges. They're going to go before rulers, people of fame. And they're, they're nobody, they're, they're fishermen, or whatever they did. And Jesus said to, them, said to them in Luke chapter 12, and Luke through 12, and when they bring you into the synagogues and unto the magistrates and powers, take no thought how and what things you shall answer or what you shall say, for the Holy Spirit shall teach you in the same hour what you ought to say. Man, wouldn't you want a life like that? How do I deal with this person? How do I deal with this situation? I begin to pray in the Holy Spirit. I ask God in my understanding, Lord, what do I say? And then I have the confidence that God is going to give me the words to speak. Oh, and he's good. He always does. I have to trust that every word that I speak is of God. The Holy Spirit affects what we say and how we act. 
It's surrendering to a greater, higher power than my human intellect. You know, the Bible says in the gifts, gifts of the Holy Spirit, which are pretty tough to define by biblical standards. In fact, some of my friends and even family that went to Bible school say, Dad, I can't define that. Uncle Jim or whoever I am to them or Pastor Jim. I can't define how we define the gifts of the Holy Spirit by biblical sense. In fact, a, like for instance, a word of wisdom, word of understanding, our understandings of those gifts were defined by a man by the name of Howard Carter who did see them in the life of Jesus. But let's just look at it for its face value and, and, and maybe as a seminary teaching, but by the word of God that says that a word of wisdom is a supernatural ability to have wisdom. How need more wisdom? If you didn't raise your hand, you need more wisdom. See, Howard Carter defined the word of wisdom as a supernatural ability to speak a word concerning a future event. Well, you need wisdom for that. I believe that. But it's beyond that, a word of wisdom. Same with the word of knowledge. Carter defined it as a word spoken concerning a present condition or situation. Very difficult to prove by biblical standards. But if you just take it for face value, you not only have wisdom, you have supernatural knowledge. About right now, wisdom may be something future. The Holy Spirit will give you wisdom. And the Holy Spirit will give you understanding, especially concerning the Word of God and God's character and nature. How about you? I want to know God intimately. I want to know what's going on sometimes. And I want to have enough guts to be able to say, Lord, I don't know what's going on, but I trust you. And this is why we need the Holy Spirit. You can't understand the Word of God without the Holy Spirit. You ever have someone come to your door and they quote Scripture and you're going, that's not what that means. And they're not going to get it. Because it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 7, you can be ever learning and never be able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You can quote the scripture and have absolutely no idea what its spiritual meaning is. Because the Bible says the letter kills and the spirit gives life. See, the Pharisees were great teachers of the word. But they did not have the illuminating power of the Holy Spirit. The power to open other people's eyes to the truth. You could say that they possessed a Ph.D. in theology at their time by man's determination because they knew the facts and they knew the figures. You know, when I worked for Abbott Pharmaceuticals in the diagnostic division where we train physicians to diagnose using our products, I didn't have a college degree at the time. I had an associate's degree. And they didn't hire people without college degrees. And then when I became in a lower management position with the company, I realized what they were doing. They weren't hiring college graduates because they knew what they were doing. Because most of the time they didn't. But they're disciplined. They're disciplined. They attended classes. Sick or healthy, they attended classes. They took the tests and they passed. Sick or healthy, no matter what was going on. They were diligent, and that's why we hired people. And let me tell you something. That's the way God works. If you're diligent. We knew a pastor one time, every time he's sick, he wouldn't preach. And finally, this one woman had enough guts, who was a pastor's wife, to say, Michael Jordan played one of his greatest games ever with 105 fever with the flu. You push through. You think I've gotten in this pulpit well all the time? I've gotten up here holding my cheeks together sometimes. Let's be real. 
I've gotten up here trying to keep something down in my stomach. I've been up here with fevers. I've been up here with flu. I was up here one time. I was told I was having a heart attack. And the doctor told me, you better get to the hospital. I said, I got to finish my second service first. And you know, when I, I started preaching, I was sweating. All of a sudden, that thing just lifted off of me. I went to the hospital, and I was fine. You got to push through. We got to teach our young people. I don't care if you're sick. I don't care if you don't feel like this. You push through, and you do it anyway. I got to preach with one leg. I'll preach with one leg or one arm. You push through. Because I'm showing God I'm diligent. And they're tests. Well, I didn't feel like praying. I didn't feel like going to that. Listen, push through. Because the person that pushes through goes on to the next grade. Amen. Let's move on. The Holy Spirit is what's called a volitional flame. What the heck does that mean? Volition is being the willing exercising of one's choice. We can call it free will. You all have a free will. And here's what people don't understand. When Jesus, you are all slaves to the enemy. Oh, I'm not slave to anybody. Yes, you are. You're slave to your emotions and your feeling and what you ever see on TV. You're slave to it. It affects you. And here's what happened. When Jesus Christ went to that cross and died on that cross, he didn't purchase you to be his slave. He purchased you to be free. I've been set free by the blood of Jesus. I have a free will. I'm no longer going to be moved by what I see, feel, or hear. I now have the ability by the Holy Spirit to make free will choices. You don't have to do what God wants you to do. You don't have to go to heaven. You don't have to pray. You don't have to, you don't have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You don't have to do anything. It's your choice. When we stand before God, if we believed in Jesus Christ, God will say, you had no excuse. My son went to that cross and died and gave you freedom, volition. You have a free will to serve me or not. And you know what? A lot of people receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and then they don't serve him. They walk away. And that's the free will that Jesus died to give them. Amen? The Holy Spirit is a person who possesses a will. And when he possesses a person, he possesses that person as God, holy and supreme. And he does not succumb to our will. He enters their heart as a holy God. Listen to this quote. The deep disease of the human heart is a will broken loose from its center. I believe little kids instinctively know there's God. And they have to be taught by their parents out of neglect or being busy or wrong priorities that there isn't a God. We teach our kids that. And what happens is this. As kids grow older, as we grow older, and we get painted by the world and teachers and whatever, we walk away from God. We broke away from our center. Every person who's ever created has a hole in their heart that needs to be filled by God. It needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because I like this comparison. As a planet that ceases to, resolve, to revolve around the sun, it breaks away to wander aimlessly throughout space, only to eventually die apart from the life-giving light of the sun. And that's what people are doing. They break away from God. Say, so well, my five or six or seven-year-old kid made Jesus Christ the Lord of life. There will come a time when they are at age of accountability, probably in their early teens, 
where they're going to have to decide for themselves. And that's why going to school and getting involved in everything else but church will pull them away from God. An incredibly large amount of kids, even in our youth group, that go off to college never really made a heart free will decision to receive Jesus. They figured they're saved because mom and dad were. They did not make a decision. And so when they go off to college and they hear these so-called know-it-all professors that don't know it all, there's a lot of good ones, but they don't know it all. They're not God. Convince them that there's no God. They believe it. And they don't go to church. They don't believe in church. They don't do anything like that. It's recorded in Isaiah 14 that Lucifer, you realize who Satan was before, right? Lucifer, the anointed angel of God, spoke five I wills. God even allowed him to exercise his will. He spoke five I wills against the authority of God, which caused him to be cast out of the center of God, caused him to be cast down to the earth, and now named Satan, he brought the same disease to the human race. I will. I will not serve God. I will not pray. I will not serve the Lord. Whatever. It's your choice. You have a free will. Jesus died to give you that. And the person that did not receive Jesus is under slavery and doesn't have a free will. The role of the Holy Spirit fire within us is to provide an inward cure. Watch this. By merging our will with the will of God. God doesn't force you. It's done gradually. You begin to realize it's God's way, not mine. I want to follow God. And it's not done by one stroke. It's done over a period of time. We get, I'm stubborn in certain areas. God's working on me in those areas. I was stubborn in other areas two years ago. I'm not stubborn there anymore. I submitted to the will of God. First, we must surrender to the work of Jesus Christ. He is Lord and Savior. Then we surrender to the Holy Spirit. Then throughout our lives, it's the role of the Holy Spirit to point out our moral discrepancies in those areas that do not please God. But thank God for God's grace because he gives us our whole life to get it right. And here's the cool thing. You're not going to get it all right. And that's why Jesus went to the cross. And when I stand before God, even though I never got this area right in my life, I depended on Jesus and I plead the blood. I tried and I couldn't do it on my own. And I have enough time in my life to complete what he wanted to do. I'm still going to be saved and be with the Lord. God is trying to bring us into union with himself. Again, I don't want to wait till I'm 90 years old to finally understand this. I want to be in total communion and union with God. I want God to be able to speak to me through the animals and the plants and people and life. I want them to be able to speak. I want to learn, Lord. I want to learn. I want to become what you created me to be. And that's when the full joy and peace comes to you. And until that union is reached, Christian peace cannot be complete. And it's the Holy Spirit to bring us to a place to surrender his into his presence, surrender to his presence, so that we may come in agreement with the will and character of God. So over these last few weeks, and possibly maybe another week or two, I want you to understand the purpose of God's Holy Spirit on earth today. And why it's essential for every person, every believer, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I believe, maybe not this week, but next week, as often as we have calls for salvation, we're going to have calls for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
I can't do it on my own. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm praying that God's going to point out people to me that are absolutely sold out to the vision of this church, absolutely sold out to my authority, absolutely because we can't operate in disagreement, that God can use them. God will show me who. That when you come up and they lay hands upon you to receive the Holy Spirit, you will. How many people have come to me, right, Doc, and said later when they left, when I guess it was John Wagner, somebody were talking about the Holy Spirit, and on their way home they began to speak. Happened to you in the Holy Spirit. Bernie's not here, I don't see her. Happened with her. Happened with me. You know, I, I, was, I was just asking for all God had for me. And the Holy Spirit has totally changed me. Man, I've gone through some rough learning experiences in my life. But thank God for his mercy and his grace. And if you don't like what I've learned or what I've gone through, none of your business anyway. Because get ready, you're next. Amen? So I pray I'm putting a hunger and a thirst in you. You've received Jesus, you're going to heaven. But he doesn't want you to be on earth alone. And he wants you to accomplish what he wants you to accomplish. Whatever profession you're in. I look over at Dr. Yofando. God can use you, brother. God gives you supernatural wisdom in diagnosing people. Salespeople, God will give you supernatural answers. How to close that account. You know why? He wants to bless you because you know why? You're a tither. There's businesses represented in this church. God's going to prosper you. And other people are going to understand, why are you prospering? Because I put God first in my life. The Holy Spirit wants to possess you. So I'm putting hunger in you. I'm giving you one potato chip. And I'm hoping you'll get hungrier and hungrier. Because there's going to be a time we're just going to do a mass altar call. Not this week, maybe not next. But at any time, any service, you can say, Pastor, I want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You can do it on your own. Because he changed my life. I cannot deny him, and I will promote him in Jesus' name. Amen? Every head bow, every eye closed.